Welcome to Ghoul's Questions podcast from Corvin Networks, created for global corporate venturing. For more information, please visit www.corvin.com. So, I'm meeting today with Justin Adams of BP Alternative Energy Ventures. Uh, Hello, Justin. Good morning, Andrew. Um, So, Justin, thanks so much for your time. Um, Really appreciate if you can give us some insights into... Uh, BP Alternative Ventures, sort of when it was formed, sort of size and sort of structure of your your fund and team, please. Yes, yeah, so the Ventures team and BP was set up uh, in 2006, so we're now four years into the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, we um, have grown our, uh, we've established our position as a as a key part of BP's longer term innovation activity. Um, we actually started out within the group's. Uh, um, corporate technology uh, division, but moved across into the alternative energy division uh, at the end of uh, 2007 with a recognition that a huge amount of the innovation that was going on that was interesting at the corporate level was was closely aligned to our alternative energy investments, which is BP's broader commitment to uh, to be investing uh, $8 billion over 10 years into grow renewable businesses as part of BP's longer-term future. Um, so the Ventures team is now an uh, integral part of Alternative Energy overall. Uh, the Ventures team is approximately 11 um, individuals mm-hmm. um, with a uh, grappling with the, the balance between strategic uh, motive and financial um, uh, return. issue for many corporate venture capital groups. In, indeed. <laughs> uh, and so it's very clear we would not exist if we did not have a strategic mandate. But equally, it's very clear we would not exist if we just had a strategic mandate and didn't deliver any financial return. Uh-huh. Um, so we, um, we're very much focused in creating deep strategic insight into new areas um, of, uh, of, of innovation uh, for the whole of the BP group in addition to the alternative energy division and then critically shaping options that, that can either be used directly for one of the businesses. So we have four businesses inside alternative energy, biofuels, solar, wind and uh, CCS, carbon capture and storage technology. So we're doing a lot of investment or a lot of activity in close association with those businesses. And then we're also looking at sort of step out options into the uh, the this, this sort of longer-term horizon mm-hmm. uh, that don't necessarily have a direct alignment today. And in terms of your investments, do you have a dedicated fund or you... We invest off the balance sheet, so there's no dedicated fund, but by the end of this year we'll be $100 million invested uh, capital um, and uh, with a mandate to be investing 20 to $25 million a year is the sort of range that we're now investing into ventures. And right. the first target... Uh, exits in 2012, although through some fund investments we've had, we've had some early returns this year, which has uh, served as well. Good. So c- could you give some examples of some interesting uh, recent deals which sort of illustrate what you're investing in? Yeah, so as I said, a couple of the themes that we have, one are sort of closely aligned investments that uh, that provide a uh, a real option with, with one of our businesses. So we've done a lot of work in the biofuel space. Um, the uh, the biofuel business itself has just acquired a, uh, a venture-backed U.S. company called Verenium. Mm-hmm. It's actually listed on NASDAQ, but that was actually initially a, uh, a company that we had introduced to the business several years back. Uh, in fact, there were two predecessor companies, Diversa and, uh, and Cellinol, that came together. 
as uh, as Varenium. So that was a uh, a, a useful uh, um, uh, direct um, activity with the biofuel business. But then more recently, we've made an investment in a very interesting Swedish company doing pretreatment of the biomass to release the sugars uh, that can then be fermented into the fuels. Uh, so this is a company that's focused very much on the pretreatment step. Companies called React Fuel, mm-hmm. uh, spin out from Lund University that uh, that we've invested in together with Vantage Point, uh, and uh, it's a fairly early stage company, but is making great progress at driving down the cost of pretreatment. So that's a good example of yep. where we're making investment aligned with one of our businesses. Uh, maybe the second example I give you is one where we're doing more of a step out option into sort of new growth horizons, which is into a, uh, a spin out from uh, MIT and Boston College. Uh, called GMZ or GMZ uh-huh. uh, in Queen's English that uh, that is developing uh, some very interesting thermoelectric materials that, that uh, have application in multiple different uh, markets. Um, and uh, we've been looking at scaling the company. Um, but uh, the most interesting immediate opportunity actually is emerging in China uh, where together with uh, uh, some local partners in China, we've actually set up a subsidiary which is going to manufacture um, product at scale, uh, which will help de-risk the technology and dramatically drive cost down for an early application in China right. mm-hmm. uh, that will then allow for much broader application in Western markets as the costs come lower. So that's a, a useful example of how we're uh, partnering uh, into the Chinese ecosystem as well. We do later stage deals as well, and there's actually a couple of later stage deals that will be announced in the next few weeks. So we're not purely focused on early stage, but there's just a couple of examples. Right. And how are you finding what's the state of the current VC market and the the, the role of corporates and that in being able to maintain and support startups in this space now? I think it's so. I I mean to talk to the clean tech VC market, which mm-hmm. which is where we're active. Uh, and where we have uh, better knowledge, then I would say the the market overall is still very active. There's still um, a lot of deals getting done, a lot of investments being made. But this is largely from funds that were raised in the sort of boom 2007, 2008 years. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, we see some real headwinds that the industry as a whole is, is sort of um, saving towards, which uh, are going to be challenging. Um, we've said for a long time that the capital intensity of many of these clean tech investments together with the development time frame um, put these into a different category from how venture has transformed typical VC market yeah the typical VC markets where they transform things in software or internet or uh, even some of the pharma uh, prospects that they've had I mean the the, the capital intensity here it probably is more closely aligned to what the biotech and pharma industries seen than than, uh, um, some of the software IT type uh, telecom stuff. Yep. Uh, so I think that creates a real challenge. I think uh, it seems to be much, much harder to raise funds for many of these VCs. Certainly the second tier uh, are going to struggle, I think, to raise new funds. Um, and uh, the big challenge is, is, is exits. You know, we see quite a few exits happening in China, but uh, the you know, you could probably list on one or two hands the number of sort of clean tech uh, exits in in the US yep. uh, and Europe in the last couple of years. People still hark back to good energy success with REC and Q cells. This was many many years ago, and in a, almost in a different era. 
yeah. of the clean tech sector. So A123 was a bright, you know, was a, was a sort of, um, you know, spotlight. I'll just put it in the spotlight. Um, there have been a couple of recent biotech deals to so Amaris and Codexis. I think the jury is still out as to how sustainable they are as, uh, as independent, uh, companies on, uh, uh, on the, on the public market. Uh, so I think there are going to be big challenges for the traditional venture model, which to my mind will create, will, will necessitates a different approach. Yeah. Uh, to VC. Um, and, uh, I think, so certainly our view is that that, that will require the corporate step up more in terms of how we drive some of these technologies through to the market. Um, you know, corporates have got sophistication and scale, have generally got global reach, um, which is essential, I think, for how these products and technologies are going to get to market. Yeah. I think the critical role that China will play in terms of cost innovation has been misunderstood by many of the VCs, uh, been misunderstood by many corporates as well. Um, and so that's something we're increasingly interested as to, to how we can leverage that as part of a broader ecosystem yeah. of innovation. Uh, similarly, the role that many other emerging markets are going to play. But, but, uh, to me, you know, and I've been saying for the last few years that, you know, that, that venture has got it, you know, venture doesn't just happen on, uh, on just, uh, in Route 101 in uh, Silicon Valley. It's, you know, it, it is now a global business and, yeah. uh, um, VCs have either got a, Find a different or adapt their model to the new reality, or, uh, or I think the industry will uh, will evolve around them. You, you've just touched on there the um, relationship with the with the core business, with the core BP. Are you finding now that your link into core BP is is helping to take these ventures and that forward and scale them up, and your relationship as a venturer within BP? Yeah, I, I think you know the, the, the grass is always greener, isn't it, in many ways, but but. There are challenges of being a corporate VC as opposed to a, a purely financial VC, but there are big advantages as well. I mean, number one, you now very fortunately, we don't have to go out and raise capital. We, we are investing off the corporates, off BP's balance sheet. Yeah. Um, but to do that, certainly in our experience, requires tremendous effort to ensure the strategic alignment, strategic rationale uh, isn't just there once, but is continually refreshed. You know, we have to remain relevant. Uh, in terms of BP's own sort of longer term thinking and how it's tackling some of these big challenges of innovation and corporate renewal over the long term. So it's a, it's a constant, uh, a constant challenge to stay relevant, to stay, you know, fresh and to be bringing those type of insights into the, uh, the corporate. Yeah. So that's the quid pro quo for, uh, for getting the, uh, the corporate dollar for investing. Um, clearly then the, you know, the other challenge then becomes, whilst we talk about global reach and sophistication and scale, you know, there are inevitably challenges when you're trying to bridge between the corporate that's got its own investment program, its own research programs, uh, its own activity, and then you're trying to bring in the innovation from the outside and the smaller companies. How do you get the businesses to work yeah. with one another? How do you get genuinely sustainable partnerships between you know, David and Goliath, and that's that's what you're that's what we're trying to sort of yeah. bridge and make sure it's not an adversarial uh, engagement. Make sure it's a you know, a genuinely mutual advantage relationship. Yeah. So again, we invest a huge amount of time and energy into actually trying to bridge those relationships and create the right kind of partnerships for the future. So success for us looks like where we are able to bring some of the smaller companies that were invested in their product or their technology directly into one of the um, 
uh, our businesses or to create a new option uh, for BP to be considering for the future. Uh, and you know, the more we do that, the, the more support and, uh, um, and traction we gain internally. But yeah. we are at the, the thin end of the wedge, and, and I don't want to downplay how difficult it then is to still take that to scale yeah. and use the might yeah. of the corporation. And in many ways, four years into the journey, we're just at the cusp of, of kind of um, of going to the next stage of our journey to, to take this to a much bigger yeah. level. Yeah, certainly we see that within the HR network and you know, others who report in global corporate venturing that, that that link to the corporate and making yourself strategically relevant is is a key next step once you've ensured your financial return. Absolutely, and I think that's why you need to run a slightly fatter organization in terms of staff. I mean, the, the, the amount of internal alignment work that we do yeah. and the amount of strategic storytelling that we do to yeah. be ensuring we're sharing what we're learning back yeah. into the corporate, I would say is, is probably today 70% of my time is yeah. taken up doing that um, and slightly less for the rest of the team, but it's still a, it's still a big commitment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Good. And your time outside of spending 70% of your time with the, with the corporate, <laughs> what's, your per, what's your personal interests and challenges? Well, you know, it's 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 wonderful to work in a job that you know, you're passionate about and you have so much uh, belief in, and is aligned with your own uh, personal dreams and and values. So, uh, um, so work never really feels like work, but um, which is a huge uh, a huge uh, a real pleasure and honour to have that kind of opportunity. Um, but I also have a young family or youngish family, a fast growing family, which I. Uh, I love spending time with and uh, entertaining or being entertained and uh, being a, uh, running around doing lots of activities with the kids over the weekend mm-hmm. and spending as much time with them as I possibly can. And uh, and then a little bit of me time, I'm a very keen road cyclist and uh, so uh, that's how I uh, get my exercise and then uh, right. if I get any other time, then playing the piano is something I find deeply uh-huh. relaxing and... Uh, I can lose myself in for for the odd half hour here and there in the week. Good. Great, Justin. Thanks very much for insights on uh, BP Alternative Energy Ventures. Thank you.